Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during this show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning. This is Dr. Caroline O'Sullivan of Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona. Um, Today, I am so excited to be talking to one of my friends and a wonderful Rottweiler owner and a loving, caring parent of Ladybug. Um, And we're going to be talking about some uh, orthopedic issues in I guess we'll start with large breed dogs because Ladybug is a large breed dog, but kind of try to expand that to quite a few other musculoskeletal issues that people might be dealing with knowingly or unknowingly as our pets age. So good morning, Tom. Good morning, Doctor. It's nice to talk to you. <laughs> it's nice. I've got nice I've got lady I've got Ladybug right here too. All right. Hi Ladybug. And so if we hear some <laughs> some panting into the phone, we'll know that that's her, yes? That's her. You got it. (laughs) All righty. I want to encourage any callers, any listeners, to call in and ask questions if you have them because we know that the issue today uh, is widespread. Uh, The phone number here is 347-215-6138. Thank you very much. All right, Tom, if you could give us um, a brief... I know she's she's got a 12-year lifespan, but um, how did you get to me um, with regard to ladybugs' issues? Well, yeah, it's really interesting because uh, she had got to the point, I tried everything. I tried the Rimadyl. I tried all the traditional veterinary stuff. And um, basically, the and my my brother's also a vet. He's he's but he's way way far away in Michigan, so um, I I can't really fly her out there to see him. But he also really believes in the the both the eastern and the western, the naturopathic. But uh, literally, what's amazing is before meeting you, she just had gotten to the point. I mean, her mom and dad lived to nine. She's an older. I know you've taught me that age isn't a disease, but, you know, I'm old, so I know how it feels to get cranky. But she um, <laughs> essentially, essentially, um, she just couldn't get up anymore. She was just laying down. She had the hip dysplasia, even though she's a, you know, she's a pure, a large purebred and was x-rayed as a puppy. You know, getting old is getting old, and her parents only lived to nine. She she got up to all the way up to uh, 12 so far. But what basically the miracle that happened is that, uh, you know, I was looking for other things. I had been told that the NSAIDs are not good for a lot of their organs. And I know I don't know all this medical stuff, but I know it's not good to give them lots of doses of that. And it was more and more on that, you know, and that was hurting her other organs. And it still wasn't helping her that much because she was just laying in place. And this is a dog who's been my lifetime companion who basically follows me everywhere. She's been ever since a puppy to every store, Home Depot, everything else with me in the car. I haven't been a minute without her. And uh, so, you know, she was, it was a real pain for her to have to just sit there and she was trying to get up and follow, but she couldn't. So it was pretty sad. But anyway, the wonderful thing is then I had, uh, you know, driven by your office a couple times, and I saw the naturopathic, you know, the like sort of yin-yang symbol or something. I said, I wonder. And so luckily, um, after talking to Dr. O, I found out that there are a whole bunch of different things um, uh, that are natural. All these, I don't know what they are because I'm not a medical, medical person. So, I mean, all this fast river and slow river and herbs and and all these and and sub sub q shots and actually it got her down from two doses or three to to one on the rimadil but more importantly within about a month and you know this yourself doc i mean you've seen the difference she she when she walked in she didn't walk in she was basically carried in and wouldn't stand up right and i think the lie like a couple weeks ago last time i saw yes she like literally like ran into your arms and ran into the place (laughs) and was running along and and all curious to see your other clients and all that stuff so 
Yeah, it's been just absolutely, unbelievably miraculous, and um, which Dr. O probably doesn't want me to say this, so I'm going to say it anyway. She also has a wonderful way of helping with the budget in that, in that she showed me where I could get some of the stuff on Amazon and uh, and what have you to help out because, you know, I'm I'm old and retired, and it's it's, you know, I would give my last penny for my puppy here, but... Still, it's yeah. like good that she's so sensitive to us older folks with our budgets too. So, but yeah, that's the uh, kind of uh, the, the my happy part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> you are way, way too gracious. Huh? So, um, for for our listeners, Ladybug is um, a very, very wonderfully awesome Rottweiler. Now, some people, um, in general, in my experience, tend to stereotype these guys as being, you know, whether they're toxic guard dogs, those types of things. Now, my experience with the Rotties, and you can confirm it, I'm sure, Tom, is that they they have this wonderful tail-nubbing wiggle, you know, where the whole rear end, wiggle, 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 when they greet you, you know, it's like they're trying to happiness, and sometimes they do this thing that I call, I'm sure everyone calls it this, but they call it the Rottie Rumble, then they, they vocalize, and it does sound like a little bit of a, maybe a growl, but it comes from deep inside of them, and it's just pure joy. Now, when um, I met you guys, just like you had said, she was literally kind of carried in, and when she came in, she went down um, and just kind of laying down. And she's, she's a good 80-pounder, um, so she's a big girl, and uh, it, it's it's tragic for me to see these guys that are so noble and so attached and so duty-bound and so filled with love, not able to do what they would do in their loving interaction with their owners and, you know, their best friends, right, their, their guardians. And, and it's, you know, a, a mutual respect. And then when they're not able to do it anymore, it's just so sad. I mean, not just the pain piece of it, not just the treatment piece of it, not just the shoving pills down their throat hoping to God they'll work piece of it, but the idea that your relationship has changed to a point where it's a quality of life issue in, for, in some regard. So all of those factors come into play. And then, of course, of course, the money thing, <laughs> just, you know, living with and treating and medicating and supplementing an 80-pound dog is um, not inexpensive. And um, I, myself, have got a young, uh, young pit bull, who I think I told you about, Tom, who's both of his back legs, his uh, cranial cruciates, or in humans they call them ACLs, um, uh, ruptured. And he had to go and get quite an amazingly expensive long-term recovery surgery on both of his knees. So I, I feel I feel everyone's pain in the pocketbook and the emotions and the treatment and the rehab and those types of things. So when I see animals like Ladybug, my heart <laughs> wants to break, to be perfectly frank. Oh, yeah. So, um, so I was I was glad that I we together worked out something that would work for her, work for you, and then work for me. So um, I would just like to, with your permission, go over a couple things that we uh, observed with Ladybug when she came in and her history, if that's all right with you. Oh, please um, do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, she had a history of cranial cruciates, her knees, for lack of a better explanation, uh, either being weak or she had a tear in her past. And hip tips, like you mentioned, and then she on her right shoulder was having difficulty, sensitivities, um, pain, for lack of a, a euphemism, right? So with these big guys and, and smaller dogs as well, when you have pain or discomfort in the rear end, they have a tendency to weight shift. They, you know, when they go to try and get up, they lean forward, put their legs out in front of them. Sometimes their elbows will point out as they're literally trying to pull their back end up off the ground because the back end, the joints either aren't working very well, working very comfortably, or um, if they have a neurological issue, sometimes they just flat aren't working. So even when we're dealing with a rear end issue, we're dealing with a front end issue. So the front end is trying to compensate. The front end is trying to pull that back end up. And of course, we're looking at Ladybug and everybody, all of our other patients, as a full creature. It's not just a knee or not just a hip or not just an elbow. So for her, <laughs> like you said, there was qu- uh, quite a plate of options to choose from. So I know that we went through those together quite um, extensively and actually were able to narrow it down quite a bit 
to uh, um, some, like you said, the injectable. Um, they're called the TSGAGs. Basically, they're um, complex sugars that are injectable um, products, like you mentioned with Adequan and the other products, that help to rebuild a non-infected joint. So you can kind of get some lubrication back, kind of get some of the things that you may have lost with trauma or age or inflammation. And it, um, tell me how she responded when you added those injectables into her life with the injectable joint medications. Well, the the interesting thing is that, I mean, it's it's funny, Dr. O, you're such a positive person. I mean, to, to be very frank, I mean, the action, the options I had when I walked into your office was a needle, basically, because uh, <laughs> I was carrying her out to pee, and I'm not a kind of person who lets go. So I would like, you know, if I had to carry her for two years and she couldn't move, I'd probably do it, but that wouldn't be good for her. And my, my mother's wife is also a vet a couple states over and she all she does is come to homes and put dogs to sleep. So I was at the I was at the stage of having no options and it, it's just so it's amazing to hear you say all the options suddenly because you were here you're discussing all these things, well we can try this and this and this and I was almost, you know, there to say, you know, can you can you come to the house with some sleepy something? Because, you know, it was getting to the point where I didn't want her suffering as much as I love her. And instead, you're like, oh, no, 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 that's ridiculous. She, you know. She, I don't think this, I said it was ridiculous. Did I say that? Well, I, I mean, you, no. you were like to say that was ridiculous. <laughs> you said it was, it, was, it was like I was wrong to have only one option without trying anything else. And it was like the, the most amazing thing I had ever <laughs> heard of. I, I mean, I don't think you thought I was ridiculous from <laughs> trying to let go. But, but thinking I only had one option at that point was, you know, I'm a layman, so I, I had no idea. And. You know, you, unless you you have someone that does is willing to try the alternative, you know, yeah. frankly, the the local folks that only do Rimadil are are just going to say, well, at some point it won't do anymore and you're done for. But with your with your spe- specific question, she um, yes, she it was an amazing improvement. Um, the just everything because the you had given me like four or five different herbs and a whole you know a whole sort of um, what do you call it, protocol of stuff to do. Right. And you were calling me all the time saying, did you do this and this? And I said, well, I gave her this and this. And, and then, then you'd go like, well, wait a minute, that other quick thing is much, you know, more important. Don't forget the night dose of that. And 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 literally finally you said, look, you want her off the Rimadil? This is what's going to do it. And I'm like, oh, geez. So I've been, you know, I've been giving her more and more. And then when you got me on the uh, on the little sub Q, it was, you know, um, the after being trained and figuring out how to do it, I was astonished because, it, I started out with that, I don't know what she said, loading or, or starting dose or whatever for mm-hmm. one a week for three or four weeks. But then now it's on a, a monthly sort of, I guess, I, I don't know what you call it, something else. I'd call it a maintenance, but it's whatever it's called, the just a monthly shot. And it's uh-huh. interesting to watch her because I'm giving her everything else. I walked her off of the Rimadil. She walks. She stands in the car. She goes with me like she always did when she was a puppy. But there's a sort of a gradual decline between the shots to where she does get a little tireder and kind of you can tell that she's a little uh, like kind of running out of whatever that, you know, the yeah. PS that guy is doing. And then when she gets it, which is like one and a half mLs or cc's, she immediately the next day, I mean, because of the sulfur or the sugar or whatever you had told me, she, she will get a little bit of diarrhea the next day. But within two days, she's running around like a puppy. She's jumping. She's getting up and yeah. down herself. Now, I did... I, on your advice, I did buy her one of those little, uh, you know, little harnesses where you put them around her and you can help her up and down the steps and stuff, which, you know, right. she's getting older and she needs a little help now. But after that, uh, she just literally doesn't need it. She runs ahead of me. <laughs> and she and, and Jeannie was even <laughs> amazed the other day because she was kind of going down on her haunches like she wanted to play. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like an 80, 80-year-old dog in human years wanting to play a little bit. But yeah. also, you're you're so right about the gentleness. I mean, people think of Roddy's as, oh, they're, they're mean or something, but she is literally the most intelligent dog. She watches TV. She's with my grandchildren. She's, like, so loving. They can pull on her ears and beat her up, and she's just so patient. And the, I mean, what's interesting, her, she was like a, a pure breed, really expensive dog. I didn't buy her. She was a gift from my sister, but I've always only had pound dogs. I've never had like a really well-bred dog. So her mother was the state champion and a show dog and all this stuff. 
and uh-huh. it, it was just amazing to see, you know, the, the the gentleness of this breed. And the breeder told me that the Germans who breed them too, they breed them for the Schutzhound, the chasing and stuff. And she said they they really don't like Americans because we breed them to be teddy bears, and they don't <laughs> think that's. I mean, back like thousands of years ago, I guess they used to. The Romans Empire used to not have them knock riders off the horses in battle or something. They're an old, old, old breed, and. People, you know, people think that they're they're German, but they're originally Italian, I guess. Italian, but yeah. yeah, and she is just she's just so gentle. I mean, she and she. We had our little uh, our daughter lived here for a while with us, and had one of those little Yorkies. And yeah. He, you know, he's like a little sprite, and he like completely dominated. I mean, she was like a little. <laughs> Just like the beta, here's this big old eighty hundred pound Roddy and he'd go, Get out of my way and she'd move, you know. <laughs> it was like right. you could tell he was the boss, so you can never tell where the alpha's gonna be. It could be a little dog as much as but you know, people are scared of the bigger ones, but believe me, she's more likely to lick you to death than anything else. Some sometimes with it with the situation that you just explained, you know, having having a, a large sized dog that has the reputation of been profiled sometimes, you know, and then you get these smaller dogs coming in the house or our children and those types of things. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then I get a lot of feedback or a lot of new clients that come in and say that they're they've turned all of a sudden aggressive. They're all of a sudden aggressive with the dog, they're all of a sudden aggressive with the child. And I say, you know what? Let's think about the fact that maybe they're guarding. Maybe they're guarding their legs or guarding their hips or don't please don't hit me anymore or don't run up on me anymore or don't jump on my back anymore. And that they're very stoic compared to the humans that I know with regard to their pain threshold and those types of things. But if we sure. if we pay enough attention to their behavior and their guarding and their you know, isolation and the things that they do, the unspoken body language and then sometimes unfortunately spoken loudly language, a lot of people discount it saying, oh, they're just getting aggressive or they're just getting old, which, as you know, is not my favorite phrase at all, Um, (laughs) that, you know, age is not a disease, but it's what are they trying to tell us? You know, am I painful? Am I uncomfortable? Do I not want this pumpy jumping on my back anymore? Maybe I can't see them coming anymore because I'm getting cataract. Maybe this, maybe that. But to kind of look at it, the big picture versus just pigeonholing it as bad behavior, um, I do get that a lot in my practice, and I would just encourage people to kind of think outside the box with regard to what might they just not be yelling to us, and maybe we're not paying enough attention to them. Or maybe sometimes you just get sick and tired of having little ones jump on you all the time. Who knows? But with um, Well, sometimes what I found with, with her, at least, I, I had a uh, Doberman a long time ago before her, too, that was a little nippy. But what I found is, the with as you said, both the pit bulls and the rotties, I had a very professional breeder that we bought her from, and they do what's called a soft mouth before they're even eight weeks, where they train them. They never touch their teeth to human skin. And there's a lot right. of training that goes into this that I don't understand at all. But what she does, if my little three-year-old granddaughter gets near her hip or she hurts her, she does what I call spear her. She'll take her nose and give her a nose and kind of knock <laughs> her back. She'll never open her mouth with her teeth. She's been trained about it. And the... I mean, the truth is the, both the Pitfall and the Roddy have the highest PSIs of bites short of the wolf and the coyote. They're up in the three to 400 PSI range, so they do have strong jaws you see in their face. And that's why it's important to, uh, you know, to have them trained young that they never they never exactly, touch exactly. humans at all. And, it's, it's you know, if you're kind and loving and they aren't raised to be, you know, mean and, and to be guard dogs, anything like any other breed, you can have a very mean uh, um, Yorkie. I mean, I... I do. Uh, my I, friend, my I, friend I, had a boy, I had a poodle that would bite you every time you walked in the door. <laughs> for, for, those, for those listeners that just heard what Tom said, which was just beautifully put, beautifully put, because you know, you know, I'm a big dog, especially a pit advocate. The the PSIs, um, pressure per square inch, basically means that when our dogs bite us, they have a certain amount of pressure per square inch in their jaws, which basically gives them in my humble opinion, uh, damaging power, crushing power. Um, so our dogs that have the highest PSIs, just like getting run over by a truck sometimes, that if they bite you, they have the potential to cause crushing injuries or, you know, pretty ama- pretty amazing tissue damage. That being said, that having them, just like us, um, um, well-controlled, whether it's our anger or our discipline or our behavior or our environment or our stimulus or our threats, just our lives, um, they, we all have the potential to cause damage. 
and that these guys, just because they're stronger, just because they, they were born with the ability to possibly cause more damage than others, just like humans in some cases, doesn't necessarily mean they're dangerous. I think that that danger, in my opinion, lies in the hands of the humans, you know, with, with regard to either not, not training, not paying attention to them, or God help me, or, or encouraging the behaviors and those types of things. So that was, that was, that was a beautiful, beautifully spoken, Tom. I really appreciate that. I appreciate your support of the read, too. And as uh, I have a, I'm in a Roddy club. I have a lot of Roddy friends. And frankly, the discrimination is sad. They, were, they became like the number one dog in America like 12 or 15 years ago. And then there was some really bad breeding on, going on. There were some accidents. And now, frankly, mm-hmm. just to be honest, if you get a Roddy puppy, you're very likely, if you're honest, to lose your house insurance. A lot of insurers <laughs> will, not even, will not even insure your home if they find... So, you know, she's officially a black and tan hound, I guess. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a lot of my friends that have them are just, once you've had one, you're just like, oh, my gosh, they're, like, so loving and gentle Perfect. and so intelligent. I mean, yeah. I have to take pull my granddaughter off of her sometimes and say, no, be gentle, be nice to her, because she'll give me this sort of plaintiff, distressed look like she's tearing my ears off. I'm like, all right, all right, that's enough, enough. And But, you know, it's like the doctor says, you're, you're careful and you're vigilant, and I would be, even if I had a Yorkie or Poodle, I mean, they can give a nice little snappy, nasty bite to a, a grandchild, too, if they get angry. And any dog will, you know, snap at you or give a warning bite or, or, or get tired of it if you, you hurt them, like any other creature, including just us. Like any other, just like any other creature, exactly right. Well, um, yeah, so we just, as is what I try to do, every, you know, we just try and take every creature as its own individual and its own holistic environment versus, oh, you're a so-and-so or, oh, you're a so-and-so and pigeonhole them because it, it just it doesn't make any sense, just like bias for humans or, you know, those types of things. Or, um, um, I guess uh, trying to be open-minded about it doesn't matter what size you are, what color you are, what breed you are, where you come from, if you, you're, you're the quality of what you do versus who, who you are on paper. So, um, we, we just kind of extrapolate that to our dog. Now back to Ladybug and her treatment. She she came in in a, she was kind of rough. She was in a, a tough way. And at that time, I think she was doing a traditional dog, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And then she was on some good human food. She was doing a little bit of egg, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of you know sharing some food with you, which I'm as long as it's it, well-cooked and as close to from the earth as possible. I'm a big advocate. Um, and then we quickly uh, went over some things with for her with regard to um, the glucosamine chondroitins, the complex sugars for her joints, the vitamins, the minerals, the fatty acids, and then some anti-inflammatory herbs. And I'm lucky enough to um, have gone through quite a bit of schooling to try to address many of her preventing complaints rather than just one at a time. Because unfortunately, many of my patients and many um, of my friends and colleagues, we give one pill for each problem, much like in Western medicine, much like in you know human medicine, like you have this problem and then that problem, and then we'll have to give you this pill to cover up the problems that pill number one and number two cause. So luckily with... Um, the herbals and some of the other, um, let's say, less Western approaches, uh, we were able to minimize the amount of things that you have to give her every day, thankfully. <laughs> and uh, yes. uh, but doing a, this is going to be a really generally general um, idea for musculoskeletal disorders, which she presented with quite a few of them. It would be the... Uh, Supporting their diet, of course, we don't want to um, increase their body weight because your body weight plays a you know quite a difficult and maybe sometimes devastating role on your joints, and that's that's a tough one, especially as we get older. If we can't move, but we're overweight and we're overeating, how do we get that weight off? That's a conversation I have a lot of times. Then we talk about uh, our glucosamine and our chondroitins, which are very. Were you with um, Ladybug on? Those um, like classic supplements that traditional veterinarians and for humans with joint problems, we take glucosamine chondroitin supplementation. Was she on that when we met? I don't think so. 
Well, what it, what it was, it's inter- I, you've, you're a little too humble to start with. What happened is my, my brother, he owns like three three vet studios, and he's gotten into the naturopathic stuff. He, you know, the two best vet schools in the country are Purdue and Michigan State. He went to Michigan State and right. got, got his master's, been working on his doctorate, and, as well as his vet medicine in the natural thing, and yet, and he's gone all over the country to acupuncture and all these other things, and yet right. he, there was a lot of stuff that you knew. But he's more just, you know, he's young. He's just kind of getting into it. And there's a lot of the protocol that he hadn't even heard of, like the Durlactin and some of the other stuff. Now, he had said, you know, get some of the, just like humans, when we get older, they say do the glucosamine and chondroitin. And there was, we had tried a couple of the chewables, but it's, you can't as, frankly, even with the brothers of that, um, way far away, you can't as a patient try to do this stuff yourself and go on Amazon, what have you. Because what happens is, especially in Dr. O's case, the vet knows, how this protocol stuff all works together, you know, as sort right. of a whole thing. And so what you. I, you know, I was on and off, you know, some of the glucosamine, but um, what the other thing you said that I don't want to lose track of is that this whole shifting, when the hip is having problems, they shift to the front and Wait, they yeah. tend to gain some weight because they're eating the same amount but not exercising as much. So yep. it's a whole thing that you got me on in terms of her weight. And, and what happened, frankly, is I had that, after I had met you, I had the little harness, but she was used to jumping out of bed. And one time, right before I saw you, my my brother called it splaying or something, but she had jumped oh, down. Yeah. Right, her right was on the front, and her she did nerve damage to the right side, and that's why the right leg, she had no feeling left in it. And that's why yeah. I thought it was kind of kind of the end because she couldn't even walk. It's her right leg, she was just hanging it like a piece of meat. And um, so, and you had kind of, you did some emergency stuff first, sort of the, well, let's get her, you know, let's get her off the pain, get the pain gone first. So she's, you know, not in pain and then let's move on to reconstructing and then doing injectables for the reconstructing, what have you. So, um, no, I I wasn't on because I didn't, I didn't have sort of the right uh, whole combination, but then you, you got me on a whole group of things, the herbs, the <laughs> quick stuff, the Duralactin, which I, I actually had told my brother about. Now he's using it because it's got uh, the wholesome milk. And, yeah, so, no, I'm, I'm happy with this program because a lot of people know they can get help, which is really helpful because it's like, hey, we don't give up on your dog if you, if you can right. find a natural person, a natural vet nearby you because there's so many tools they have in their toolkit you know, more than just the traditional, if Rimadol doesn't work, you get a shot. You know, I mean, it, you get to a certain point, and other vets will tell you that aren't like Dr. O, they'll just, they, they don't believe that age is not a disease. They'll just say, well, what do you want? You've got nine good years out of her or something like that. They'll say that. And I, they're not trying to be mean. It's just like, you know, they're sort of matter of fact, and you're you're attached, and this is your lifelong companion and all this other stuff. So you're kind of like, well, and you, you believe them. You're just a patient. So, and I had no idea until I met Dr. O that there were all these options. So, yeah, you you got on that MSM they call it, and the glucosamine, and then the chondroitin, and then the you know, and the herbals, and also the yeah, the the quick river, and then the duralactin, which is like a milk kind of a thing. I was giving her the cheese, although you cut me down on that, and I cut her down on the on the crunchies, which you see, only wasn't getting a lot of those, but um. <laughs> So most of, uh, I don't know, I guess I'd say probably 75% of the diet um, uh-huh. the doc liked, even right off from the beginning when I met her, but then made some adjustments, especially about the weight, because, you know, I didn't want her bearing more weight because she wasn't running around chasing rabbits like she used to. Although she actually, right. after the shot, once in a while, she will give them a half-hearted chase. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the premise, both Eastern and Western, for any kind of osteoarthritis is a very broad stroke, is slow degenerative damage to the joints. Stabilize unstable joints, if possible. Reduce inflammation and control pain. So those four, those four things have got to be addressed right now. We know when you walk in the door, right now. These are the things we do, and then we, whether it's Western or Eastern, I, you know, to be honest with you, as long as we can first do no harm, I just need to make sure that these guys are in as little pain, a little discomfort, a little bit of, a little further damaging, and then we can move on to um, tweaking this and tweaking that and adding this and adding that and decreasing things uh, that might be harmful. Now, with regard to diet, um, you know, we, you know that I'm a um, I'm a true believer in the air we breathe, the food we eat, and the things that we put in our body. We have to make sure they're doing work and not causing us any harm. So that, that's fundamental for me. Then the glucosamine chondroitins 
um, of the world and all of the things that when you check the labels on at the pet food store or at the, what is it, Amazon or whoever's selling things these days, it's sometimes mixed with so many other things, including dextrose and liver flavoring and many things that are binders. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing we find in all of our um, vitamins and minerals and such. But those things don't necessarily need to be added to our diet and such. So doing some research and knowing that, like, let's say, glucosamine is a precursor to chondroitin. So if we have to pick one or the other, we always go for glucosamine. We can do things like vitamin C. Vitamin C is functions in collagen synthesis. So in order to have good ligaments and tendons and skin and teeth and gum and gums, we have to have cross-linking collagen to have strength in our tissues. So, okay, vitamin C, water-soluble, very safe, 10 will loose still if you overdo it, but things that are within our reach and can be found in whole foods or in something over-the-counter, but it's not a pharmaceutical and not necessarily a prescription, not necessarily something you have to go to the Internet to get. You know, we can just educate and think about what would be appropriate for our lifestyle, our you know, our patient, and then... Um, the realities of our pocketbook, right? Um, so exactly. those, those are pretty yep. big. And then essential fatty acids, okay, essential fatty acids, fantastic anti-inflammatory. And you can get them in things like a piece of fish, you know, feed, you know, a piece of fish, like a piece of salmon or a piece of this or a piece of that. Or if we want to do some sort of prepackaged um, supplement that you or I would take, um, we can do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean we have to go to a pre-labeled, already put-together item. Now, with our herbals, we had an, uh, an experience with Ladybug, as I recall, that we started her on a very um, uh, appropriate herbal for all of her symptoms. It was for um, acute or chronic severe pain, and it addressed everything that she told us she had, and that I believe when we got her started on it, she had, I think she had a little bit of vomiting, maybe some loose stool. So if my memory serves, it, please correct me, Tom, that we backed her off of it and then restarted her at like one quarter dose, one half dose, and then slowly got her up to full dose. Is my memory correct? Right, yeah. The um, And also I was, you know, I was trying to, I was so anxious. I was over-anxious, um, and you had told me sort of a, the way to do it, but I was over anxious to sort of save her and hurry, so I was giving her a little too much. But then I was, you know, I was I was sticking a little herbal in a like a chicken hot dog, and so she'd swallow it. And you had given me a couple others that were chewables, but um, I had got to the point where, you know, I was giving her too much. But instead of checking with you, I backed off. But then I backed off too much, and and you sort of read me a riot act and, and nailed me oh. in the knuckles and said, wait, you said, wait a minute, that you, you backed off too much. I told you to go this week, this is this week. And, you know, cause I, I wasn't quite sure. And luckily you kind of corrected me and said, you know, you're, and you know, I said, I'd like to get her off of so much remedial. I know that's not good for everything. You know, all the other organs and stuff. My brother told me that if I could, he said, if, if your doc can get, get her a little off of that, that's wonderful for her. It'll extend her life. So, I um I was and you said look this is what does it so I I went back down and then kind of started back up but then I stopped and you you wanted me to do like six a day and I think I was on three or four a day and I wasn't given that last uh, the last two and uh-huh. so you were you were pretty strict with me you just said look this is you want to get <laughs> off of that this is this is an important one you you know fill in and finish off on that one so. Right away, I became a compliant patient, and right away, I, you know, the next day I did the full, and I haven't stopped. I remember your voice now. Every time it's like, mm, I wonder if she wants one more pill. I think, no, nah, uh, she said this is. Tom, you're making me sure enough. And sure enough. Oh, you're terrible. But anyway, no. But what's really funny is that I mean, it's obviously it, it works because then I've been able to cut from three to two to one now. So she's just on the one a day, on the Remedil, and it's doing great. And by adding the the uh, Edicon or PSGAG or Icon or whatever you want to call it, that um, uh-huh. again has filled in for what I would have had to do with the Rimadil and uh, the, as I've, you know, it's like most people don't have the money to consult with three veterinarians, but since my brother and sister-in-law are both vets, I'm all excited and call them all the time and, you know, they're <laughs> adding your ideas to, to their practices and, and also giving me feedback on, you know, how happy they are. In fact, the, my 
my one other brother raises horses down in Michigan, and they started right. giving me right. the uh, the Atacon to the horses now, and the and the yeah. cats too. And I didn't even realize that they, <laughs> you know, that they give them for a lot of the joint stuff. So yeah, yeah. in general, that's exactly right. It, we've had to do that, you know, getting the dose right and making sure that it. You know, it was right for her, and you know, I mean, people say they'll say, "Well, I, I need to call a vet and get a prescription, then I'll buy it on the web or whatever." But then some will say, "Well, no, you should get your dog examined first. And yeah. people are cynical; they'll go, "Oh, the vet just wants to make more money and get an exam. Why don't they just call in this thing for me?" It's like, well, you know, human doctors do that all the time. They'll call it in, and they'll if they see you, they see you. But that's not with the vets. I mean, these dogs don't call up and tell the vet on the phone, here's all the stuff that happened. So you really have to bring your pet into that vet and let her see see that. And, and I mean, they talk. The vet and the dog, you know, gets they get down on the floor together. They talk. She And she, you know, uh, Dr. O said like 12 things of which I understood, like one, all this stuff about oh, what's no. going on. Well, no, you said, well, you just got this with the hip and the leg, and, oh, you can tell by this panting that this is happening, and, oh, yes, yeah, she's favoring this and that, and it's like, what is this, Sherlock Holmes? It's like, you know, I need, I live with her, and you've noticed like 12 things that <laughs> that I didn't even notice oh, that no. what she was favoring and what she was doing and all this stuff. So it really is important. It's it's not just some game when they say, no, I really want to see her before, you know, before changing it or whatever, because they know. They see stuff that you, you really don't see. <laughs> well, you, you, you've, touched, you've touched on one of my really sensitive points, and um, it not only for me, but veterinarians in general, and that, that in, in not just emotionally um, and clinically, but illegally binding as well. So we, as veterinarians, we have to have a veterinary patient-client relationship. We means that I need to, I need to be able to meet you, look you in the eye, shake your hand, get on the ground, get my hand, my nose, my eyes, my education, everything onto your pet and that use all of my senses, all of the information to formulate a diagnosis or formulate a treatment plan or whatever whatever it is, wherever we go. But that physical relationship is required. I mean, it makes sense, right? It would be nice if I actually, um, you know, knew what the heck my patient went through, but it's required. I mean, in every single modality, every single thought process, wherever you are, I have to be, I have to see, do a physical exam, you know, get history, get signal, make it. I mean, and there's all the things that go along with the book and go along with your medical charts and go along with those things. But especially in my opinion for what I do, I we have, as veterinarians, we have to use all of our senses. I've got to smell this, look at that, squeeze this, feel this. And then for me, doing ashi points, you know, the, the acupressure points, acupuncture points, tongue and pulse diagnosis, doing... Um, yeah, well, it, it's checking a thousand things, right? It's going to be skin color. It's going to be anal gland flexibility. It's going to be tweaking this, pinching that, and multitasking, for lack of a better word. Um, and then going from there, not just taking a phone call, like you were saying, and saying, or going on the Internet and finding something that says, this will help this, 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 and this, and buying it and throwing it at your pet when they can't, they can't respond and say, ooh, or when they do, and you shove it down their throat instead, when it's like, you know, that really makes my stomach upset. You know, I really don't want to eat that because some people think that their pets are just being difficult when actually it might actually make them sick. It might make them painful. It might, it, there might be something else going on. So you encouraging, Tom, that the actual contact with your veterinarian, it, it's, it's required. I mean, it's vital. It's not. It's not really an option, in my opinion, whatsoever. So, and then yeah, I, I, I have to. I have to say too. I, um, yeah, I make my living on the internet, and I, I love the web and all that stuff. In fact, I'm a big uh, Amazon reviewer. I'm a Wikipedia editor, an administrator, and everything. But I've got to say, just to give you one example, you heard the doctor just say. Uh, you know, vitamin C. Well, there was. Uh, I didn't know that. I had never acted as a veterinarian, but. Uh, not only on Wiki, but on many other sites that said never, ever give a dog vitamin C. They make their own. It's poisonous. It'll kill them. And here it's water-soluble, and they basically just pee out what they don't need. And I didn't know all this. Um, Dr. O sort of brought me around to, I'm like, hey, why is there vitamin C in the supplement? Or isn't this bad for dogs? It's like, well, where the heck did you get that idea? It's like, well, because, you know, it's sitting on the Internet. And, you know, it was one of those kind of bite your tongue, you know, where, you know, don't hit me over the head because I said the Internet word because there is a lot of, there's good information, but there's a lot there of baloney out there. And it, I ended up actually going through the administrative channels at Wiki and saying, 
this is all baloney, and they looked up all the articles and all this, and they said, you're right, and they changed it and took it off, you know. So, oh, good and for you, you can get stuff. Well, yeah, you. I mean, that's part, part of my little retirement thing I like doing is helping the information out there. But what, it's really amazing because there are things that, you know, even have these supposedly official citations and all this other stuff, and then when you peel it back a layer or two, you find out if you haven't talked to a real vet about it, you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm not only – not hurting, not not hurting her, but I'm not helping her because I could be doing it, and it actually does have healing benefits and stuff that I, I didn't know of. And the same thing as the other true, you know, there are certain sites I'm not mentioning that will actually sell to you, you know, just direct. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I like that Dr. O'Balances. She's like, you got a budget, you can get it on Amazon or whatever, but this is exactly what you need to get, and then you need to stay in touch about it. And that's a good balance because it helps kind of with the budget. It's not, it's young and it's with it because a lot of my, you know, my kids and grandkids are all with the, the whole Facebook and all this stuff. So, mm. and I'm old and I'm not that much, but I do see that it's interesting <laughs> to watch the uh, watch the younger generation. And it's it's good that you, that when you have also younger with it vets with the East and the West that also say it's okay up to a point, but stay in touch. So, I mean, yeah. my, my, my takeaway is you need both. It's fine if you want to do research, but the reason you're doing it is to ask your vet, you know, is this true? Is that true? Is this not true? Is that not true? And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I did that with my own health. You know, if I found something on the web about me and I'm going to my doc, you know, the human doc, I'll say, you know, hey, I read this and this is this true. And sometimes he'll actually take a little smartphone out and check, well, let me see what you right. saw. You know, it's really interesting. And, Sometimes, you know, the, both the vet and the regular doc will get this look on their face like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> this is what they're saying. I, I, strongly, they're saying. <laughs> I strongly, strongly encourage my clients, both in my office and in my classrooms and those types of things, go out and do your due diligence. Don't trust me. Get out there and do your thing. I said, but then bring it back, and we need to talk about it. And then if you ever start a sentence with, they say this or they say that, I'm going to stop you probably pretty hard and say, who are they? You know, they, they who, they who, and what are their credentials and what is their motivation and what, you know, so don't, don't start a sentence with me saying they said this or they said that or like, you know, do your due diligence, find out who they are, the elusive they who have an opinion. And I said, and treat me and my information to you in the same vein. You know, if something doesn't feel right to you or you're like, ooh, that, what the heck did she just say? Go out and do your due diligence. Buy a book. Ask another veterinarian. Go online, God, you know, if you have to. Uh, but ask a thousand questions because you are your pet's advocate, just like you're your own advocate for your own health. And these guys don't have a choice. So go and do good work, which means that I'll, I'll, I'll lend you my book. You can sit in my office for as long as you want, as long as you bring coffee. Go online, take a class, do something. But then before implementation, please ask because your friend is an individual. It's not a textbook. It's not a laboratory creature. It's an individual. So we need to make sure that we don't have any contraindications, any kind of other health problems, even on the, you know, coming to the fore, or do we have a history of something that wouldn't jive well with whatever it is you're bringing to the table? And things like um, supplements or their foods, their real foods, like with our vitamin C, Okay, rose hips, citrus fruit, and liver. Those are natural sources of vitamin C. It doesn't mean you have to go out and buy a pill. It means that we just need to talk about the benefits of diet. So there are many avenues to fulfill even the new pieces of information that don't require you going out and buying more stuff. So it's complex, and it's just it's nice that people stick with it and that they do ask 100 questions. You know, so um, And you're one of the best examples of that because you have got um, quite a poster child for success with her because I, be- I believe I read on her bio that she was actually chasing rabbits the other day. Yeah, I was, I actually, I, mean, <laughs> I was actually amazed. Yeah, it was, uh, I was astonished. I, it was kind of a little dark at, at dawn. I was, and as the doc knows, uh, Jeannie raises these organic, uh, chickens. And so we see my doggy and us get real organic, good eggs and things. And mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to have the liberty to kind of raise your own stuff and see how it's treated. But 
I went out there, and of course we're like we're kind of out in the wilderness, and it's kind of like every creature that of God's creatures all shows up there because they know there's food here. So, um, right. the dog always finds something. But yeah, it was yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, I had come out; it was kind of almost sun up, and I was uh, and she uh, she usually comes limping out or running out, or depending on how that morning is, how I massage her a little and get her going in the morning after not moving all night. And then, right. she, you know, she usually will come out, and she had just had her, the derelictin the day before, and then had the, a couple days before, it had the the PSJG shot, and so I, I opened the door, I said, come on, let's go out, and um, she had this kind of low growl, and she didn't want to come out, and it was dark, and I'm like, what's the matter with you? And um, I said, come on, come on, and she was just, like, staring, and so I looked off to the side, and here, not like 10 feet from me was this huge buck who was chewing on my wife's roses and then she she saw it and was like what is that thing how that's a big dog you know and i'm like get out of here go you know and he like, didn't care he's like eh, i know you you're not gonna hurt me so he kind of he just he didn't run away walked off well then she came out a few feet and off goes this bunny and for the first time and gosh it's been months and months maybe even a year she like went after it. I think the the deer kind of got her mind going, like, what the heck is that? And then she said, well, that thing's more my size. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just giving you her logic here. But, yeah, then so she runs after it. And, you know, she didn't take off down the hill like she used to. She was too smart. She kind of stopped and looked back. And that's this breed yeah. is like that. They're, we, we have a command. We say good check because they look back and look at your eyes for what should I do next. And this, right. they've been bred, bred for centuries to have that good check thing. And that's very good for traffic and stuff too because before they do something they'll look and you say no stay or okay and she she did check but the check was kind of like even if you say okay i'm not going after it you know it's, <laughs> it's right. down in the picker bushes now but yeah i had to tell the doc right away i was so excited it's like man this is the first time she's actually chased a rash she actually ran which you know it's like at 12 13 years old when both of her parents were gone at nine that's like you know basically <laughs> she's gotten four more years of wonderful life. So it's like, wow. Well, the, the thing, one of the things that I love to ask clients when they when they come in or just in general, a good way to think for, you know, when you're talking to your friends and when you're talking to your say, brother and your sister or whatever it is, one of the questions that's kind of powerful is when is the last time they were normal? Or when is the last time you saw them do this? Or when is the last time? You know, what What is it that is their favorite thing growing up. I've chased this, I sleep there, I eat this, I, you know, pull up carpet, I do whatever it is, right? Some fun thing. What is it that brings your pet joy? And then they dig a list and then I ask, when is the last time they did that? And then unfortunately there's usually a, a hush falls over the crowd, um, but it's just a really pointed question so that when they start to feel better or not, we have some parameters and for you, and this wonderful example, first of all, you had something to go back on. You're like, damn, she hasn't done that in a year. Or, you know, it doesn't felt comfortable enough in my own body, my own skin, my own confidence level to go out and do these things. That's first. Second is that you allow her to be a dog. She gets to live someplace. She gets to get dirty. She gets to run around. She gets to smell the earth. She gets to be with her dad. She gets to be a dog. She's not stuck in a crate all the time. She's not forced to do things that people think are cool, you know, sometimes with, you know, whether it's dressing them up or putting them through classes or, you know, some things that are carrying them around when they're actually meant to be on all four legs and, like, walking or, you know, they're dogs, for goodness sake. But the blessing of her being in a place where she can be on the dirt, smell the wildlife, go out and act like a protective dog without any punitive action. She just gets to be a dog with fresh air, and you get to observe her actually getting better. It's just, it, it makes it brings a tear to my eye, honestly. So um, I want to spend the last couple of minutes here just going over, generally speaking, some of the common orthopedic conditions that dogs get. Now, this can be large and small. So the things that we've talked about with regard to um, uh, pain control, decreased degenerative joint issues, um, stabilize unstable joints, reducing inflammation. There are, you know, a litany of things that we could talk about, you know, the alfalfas, the yuccas, the boswellias, the devil's claw, the valerians, the diet, massage, acupuncture, herbals, joint support. There, it's, it's hours and hours of conversation. Hopefully we'll have those at a later date. But for right now, um, the common osteoarthritic or orthopedic issues in dogs 
Elbows, absolutely. Elbow dysplasia, some growth issues, fragmented coronary processes, elbow osteochondrosis, um, radius curvus means that they grow with curves under pressure or the, the pieces of bone on the joint as they get older actually don't fuse together, um, all causing discomfort. With our hips, hip dysplasia by far, and as you were saying about Ladybug, she was x-rayed for it and didn't show signs. But with age came this discomfort in your hips. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have a congenital or genetic disorder. It's just that wear and tear and time and weight and those types of things. So needs to be addressed. Um, with our stifles, which are our knees, we have cranial cruciate ligament ruptures, which in humans is ACL, which is one of the things that Ladybug had to do with. Synovitis, which is inflammation of the joint capsule, which has the synovium, the thing that makes the fluid and lubricates our joints. Medial patella luxation, meaning that our kneecaps slide to the inside. And that normally happens on a smaller dog. Um, and they'll, you'll see them shaking their leg or holding it up. Um, and then our spinal cord, unfortunately, we get disc ruptures. We get um, spondo... Uh, myelopathies, which is nerve problems that don't allow us to move careful, uh, appropriately and are painful, like wobbler syndrome and such. Bridging spondylosis, which is arthritis that goes down the spinal cord and basically fuses our spine together. Degenerative lumbosacral stenosis, which you know fuses two of our vertebrae together down by our hips, which hurts. And then we're right back to what we want to do. Slow down the degenerative changes, decrease inflammation, pain control. But Getting a proper diagnosis on these conditions, it would be nice, you know, x-rays, physical exam, those types of things, but um, if that's not possible, making sure that you do seek veterinary assistance to do these things. Slow down the degenerative changes, reduce inflammation, control the pain that goes along with these because they are painful, all of these conditions. So whether you see a traditional veterinarian, you see... Uh, non-traditional, you see um, uh, anyone that's got the letters behind their name, please spend the time just to say, I think my dog's in pain and I think it hurts up here. You can feel heat radiating from the joints if you're sensitive to it. You can watch them move. You can you can kind of bend this or tug on that or, you know, um, put your fingers down their spine. There are things that we can do with that, you know, with the veterinary license, with the education we get, with our experience, to be able to diagnose them without having to go um, to some other steps like X-rays and those are the X-rays and well, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, you make a really good point that I want to make for people, and that is, a lot of us think, a lot of us who aren't real rich, we think that we associate natural with expensive because you know you know you go to the health food store it costs you more than if you go to your normal grocery store and so sometimes people put off they don't want to do the natural because they're like oh i bet you this vet is way more expensive than a regular you know the the western vet but i've got to tell you the um her my dog's ladybug's um mom is a famous world famous breeder her her mom my dog's mom is was probably worth you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. She was a very r- rare dog, and when she got the hip stuff, they had all the money in the world to to throw at her with the regular traditional vet. It Unfortunately, she she didn't matter. get to the natural thing, and she got to the stage uh, where Ladybug was at yep. uh, when I first met Dr. O, and they put her down. And now, what I've found is, frankly, compared to all the surgeries they put her through and all the stuff they did with all the Western veterinarian, and I'm not knocking those people, my brother's one too, but what I'm saying is don't think because somebody says they're not only a DVM, but they also do natural, that that means you need to be rich to go see them. That's baloney. Sometimes it can be less expensive and way more effective than the Western stuff. And they know all the Western. These doctors have gone to vet school. They know all the Western <laughs> stuff. So it's not like you're, you know, you've got some choice of going for cancer therapy in Mexico or here. You know, this is different. Here with these docs, they have all the Western stuff. And right. they, they will tell you if you if you need, you know, an ACL surgery. And she did have an ACL injury, and she was going to get surgery. And Dr. O was like, you know, you can do watchful waiting, and let's see what this and this, this does. And you still have the option for surgery. Well, all of a sudden, like my sister had a little dash hound, and she ended up paying $3,500 for the surgery. And I'm yep. just like, you know what? <laughs> Look at this 
you know, the comparison with a doctor that knows the natural and is willing to try some of the things, and frankly, you know, the whole prejudice of because the person says they do natural, it means you can't afford it, you have to be rich for it. That's just not true at all. And But I do acknowledge that, yeah, when you go to the health food store, the food there is more expensive. And frankly, I, you know, I can't always. I sometimes have to get my, my, my chicken hot dogs at Safeway. So, you know. <laughs> as, do, as do we all, right? As do we all. Well, we're running short on time, but you made one more incredible point, and I appreciate it, that um, I'm a big fan of, Special, I'm a big fan of Western medicine, especially in emergencies. If you need that x-ray, you need that surgery, you need that, you know, that IV, you need that blood transfusion, you need those these things. They, we're, we're blessed that there are so many folks out there, well, not so many, that have the education of a DPM, emergency medicine. And, you know, I, I'm a Purdue, I'm a Boilermaker, so I get it. I'm, you know, I've, I've done it. I've done it. But also the specialized medicine, the folks that can get do spinal cord surgery, the folks that can do these wonderful abdominal surgeries, those neurosurgeries, the fact that we can do CTs and MRIs and we can do all these wonderful things is a blessing. And this is coming, you know, with, with what it is that I do for a living, I have my pit bull that has two titanium plates in his legs because he had bilateral TPLOs. It's, a, you know, a tibial plateau leveling osteotomy. Both of his legs got done on the same day because he went down, I mean, down. The choice was put him to sleep or cut him. And I chose to cut him. And, he, you know, he's, after a long recovery, He's doing great, relatively speaking. But um, those are the choices, and we're, we're, we truly really are blessed that we have those options and never discount those, please. But never give up and also never know that you have the options that Tom and I have been kind of discussing. And uh, my apologies, there's just so much to talk about, especially if we got really specific on each one of the topics. And we'll, we'll do that later on the show. I'm absolutely promised because I want to convey as much information as possible. So... Um, so, Tom, thank you so much, and uh, if you can give Ladybug a kiss for me, that would be great. <laughs> well, she's right here. <laughs> she says thank you, too. <laughs> um, is there is there anything else on a closing note that you would like to convey to the world, and not not about me, please, about, about your experience with your experience with having that that uh, you have a twelve year old dog, the emotional piece that you went through with the having to make decisions for your loved one and quality of life. Um, I know it's hard. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the one thing you said that is so wise is that they, they go come back to some of this stuff when they did when they were younger. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because she's always gone with me in the car. And at one point before I had met Dr. O, the, you know, she got to the point where she would just lay down in the back. She wouldn't even come up and ask for a treat. When she got to the certain intersection, she knew where she got her treat. And, uh-huh. and that was very sad for me because I was kind of like, well, you know, she's kind of riding along, but she's not getting the balancing and the exercise she did when she would, like, stand and look out the window and stuff like that. And so after meeting Dr. O and going through this protocol now, she's kind of back. You know, uh, we all go to the next world, so we never live forever, but still it's given this new lease on life. And um, she is uh, coming back, asking for treats, looking out the window again. She's stable enough to stand when the car turns and stuff like that. So these little, what they call, with humans, they call activities of daily living or ADLs with us old people. It's the same (laughs) with your pets. And she's got her little ADLs back now, not just chasing the rabbit, but especially riding the car, going places with me and stuff like that, acting. You know, she's not a puppy anymore, but she's still, she's kind of back to, um, uh, enjoying her life, and that's what's important sure. to me. It's you know you keep an eye on are they having a good quality of life, and that's an important indicator of yep. you know all of us. I mean, we all get to a point where we're like, okay, I'm ready for the next galaxy or whatever. But you certainly can, after using this natural stuff and the combination of Western and Eastern, you see mm-hmm. the amazing difference. You can just say, you know, why deprive ourselves? We're a one planet. Why deprive ourselves of what? East, just because we're West, <laughs> you know. It's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very, very well said. Thank you, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate all your input today. It was great, and and uh, she, um, Ladybug, I actually had the urge to go see her right now. She's fantastic. And I for the list for the listeners, um, we went over so many topics and so many ideas. And to be perfectly frank with you, that's what this kind of medicine is about. It's about taking a look at everything and putting everything into a package that we can be open-minded about and have multiple approaches and develop a really, really great relationship between the humans and the four-leggeds. So I really appreciate you listening. 
in today, and I hope you got something great out of it. And maybe next time we can call in. Once again, the, the number here, 347-215-6139. And once again, I'd like to thank everybody involved in getting this show on the air and helping us spread the word that there's always something that we can do to help make our pets have a better quality of life and um, increase their joy score. Well, thank you very much. This is Dr. O'Sullivan with Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona.